Nothing good is born from lies. And greatness is not what you think. Hey Super Friends and Happy New Year to you. Welcome back to the Get Your Comic Con podcast. This is episode number 29. My name is Neil. I am your regularly scheduled host and I am joined today by my good friend and colleague Martin. Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. <laughs> We'd like to wish you all a Happy New Year. I hope you had a good Christmas. Um, this is technically our last podcast of 2019 but uh, because it took us a little while and then we got wrapped up in Dracula, it's now also our first podcast of 2020. Woo! So, for the first time in this new decade, I'm going to say to you, what are we talking to the listeners at home about this week, Martin? Stuff that's on the wall behind me. Stuff that is on the wall behind you. So we're going to cover off the first trailer for Wonder Woman 1984, which came out at the beginning of December. We're also going to quickly chat about the first trailer for Bond 25, No Time to Die. I thought we might quickly touch on the Stargirl trailer as well, which came out over the Christmas period. We're going to be reviewing uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Spoiler alert, I don't think we liked it very much. Um, And because I feel bad that it's been a little while since Crisis on Infinite Podcasts and we've not done anything, we're throwing in a review of BBC's Dracula! Martin's raising his eyebrows as if to say, I didn't know that, that wasn't on the list beforehand, but it is now. Then for our discussion topic to end this week, we asked you to tell us about your highlights of 2019. We will tell you about ours, and then maybe we'll quickly wrap up by telling you about a few of the things that we're looking forward to in 2020. Star Trek Picard! So, without further ado, uh, we will do our power poses and have a listen to the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times, yeah. All the time. (laughs) Welcome to the future. Life is good, but it can be better. Why shouldn't it be? All you need is to want it. Think about finally having everything you always wanted. I can save today, but you can save the world. Steve. Now, I take what I want in return. Everyone will see. born from lies and greatness is not what you think 
That's just a trash can. It's just a trash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wonder Woman 84 is due to hit cinemas in the UK in June 2020. It's directed once again by Patty Jenkins and stars Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Chris Pine returns as Steve Trevor. You've got um, Pedro Pascal, who we now know from The Mandalorian as well as Game of Thrones and my favourite Buffy as Maxwell Lord. And uh, that lady whose name I can't remember is playing Cheetah. Kristen Wiig. The braidsmaid lady. Yes, Kristen Wiig. I didn't even have to look that up. It came to me just by thinking about it. Um, so this trailer came out at the beginning of December. Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins appeared at CCXP um, convention in Brazil, which looked flipping massive, didn't it? It was huge. So they live-streamed uh, for the first time ever from CCXP, the panel uh, for, for Wonder Woman. Uh, first time ever that they'd live-streamed anything, and they did it on Twitter globally. So we sat in and watched the whole thing, and it was huge! It would have been awesome to have been in that room. San Diego to shame. It kind of did put San Diego to shame. I mean, they do do stuff like that in Hall H, but... Not on that scale. I don't know what the capacity of that room was, or how it would match up to Hall H, but the fact that they all had their little glowy wristbands on, and so many people were all dressed up as Wonder Woman, and they did, you know, the Wonder Woman cosplay line beforehand. It was all, it was pretty cool. It was a really nicely done little uh, presentation. There was lots that we didn't get to see, though, because they stopped it after the trailer. So they, they stayed and did more interviews and stuff afterwards. Um, there was a... I can't remember if I even told you this, but there was a video from uh, some of the other DC directors afterwards to talk about next year. So Matt Reeves announced that he will be there next year with Robert Pattinson to talk about the Batman because mm. they'll be filming. Um, and there was also a video from James Gunn talking about Suicide Squad. Yoths. So, first question to you. Highlight moment from the trailer. It was very 80s. And you quite like that 80s aesthetic? I do like the 80s. And I like the music. Yep, okay. And the feel. Will it bother you at all if this film is very much an 80s movie, not a contemporary movie set in the 80s? Um, depends how it's executed, I suppose. Yep. If it's done well, then I don't think I would mind. Yeah. If it's like a Stranger Things 80s feel, then that would be amazing. Yeah, rather yeah, than... Was Stranger Things 80s or 70s? 80s. 80s. Rather than, um, so, sorry, what I was going to say was rather than if it was sort of uh, like a really, really complex narrative but made to look really bright and colourful in the 80s. Like you, like a Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Yeah, you, bef- oh, well, yeah, that doesn't feel very 80s. It feels very contemporary, but feels like it's being forced to be very 80s. Yeah. Whereas this seems more like it's an 80s movie. Yeah, because it's in the 80s. Okay. Um, my favourite moment, all of it. Uh, the gold costume looks pretty cool. With the wings. With the wings, yeah. So that's very much uh, Diana's look from Kingdom Come. I'm really interested to see how they carry it off and the, what the reason for it is in the context of the story. But I quite like when she, in that shot in the trailer, when she shrugs the wings off, like they suddenly lose tension and go like paper strings as they fall to the floor. It looks really cool. I quite like the effect. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's a highlight moment. The thunder. The thunder's pretty cool. That's quite a deep cut power of hers from the comics that you don't see very often, where she can ride the lightning. I want. I, just, I need to see a poster that's like Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, ride the lightning. God, f you, Thor, love and thunder. We've got lightning. 
Exactly. And it's been ridden. I like the way that they've uh, they've dialed up the colour as well. So the contrast is really, really high. So her costume looks incredibly red in that bodice piece where it looks... It's like if you look at Batman versus Superman or you look at that first picture of Gal Gadot that we ever saw of her in costume, everyone was like, oh, it's brown! Whereas now it's very clearly very red and very, very gold as well. Anything in the trailer that you weren't overly keen on? No. Slightly anxious about Lord. Yeah, okay. And the stone. So that this is that's my eighties MacGuffin. That's what I'm saying. Like you and your MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> well you know, spoiler we'll, we'll alert for in the next later. ten minutes and we'll talk about quite a few MacGuffins. Um but that that's what it is. I mean, supposedly that is some sort of rock that grants him the ability to grant wishes. There's too many grants in a sentence, but that's very, very eighties if you ask me. Evil in fact, I wonder if the idea for the story immediately spoke to her as an idea that needed to be set in the 80s because if you think about it evil businessman media mogul grants wishes via a magic stone you immediately go that sounds like an 80s movie yes it's almost like a not like the goonies but something like a goonies-esque that's the thing that and that's what i i'm quite excited about that it it from this trailer and from them talking about it, it feels like that's what it might actually feel like like an 80s adventure movie. You make it lucky and she'll read a tomb or something. <laughs> I'm now just imagining random, spe- like that special effect that no one ever gets to see in Indiana Jones when it's on TV when the guy's face melts. That would be awesome. Anything you're not so keen on or worried about? Um, I'd like to see Cheetah, but I'm really happy that they didn't show her in the first trailer. There's no need to lay all your cards on the table straight away, especially when the film's not out until June. What would be the point in showing us everything now? Because then there's nothing to sort of anticipate. Um, I don't know how I feel about Barbara Minerva's characterization from the scene that she's in in the trailer. It's very 80s, though. It is very 80s. It's just very much the dowdy best friend who when you see her later in the trailer, it suddenly becomes slightly sexualized. So there, there is somebody who claims that they were at a test screening of this film who's completely broken the embargo and written exactly what happens from start to finish. I haven't read exactly what happens, but I've read like the liner notes of it. And um, if you don't want to know any other potential plot points, feel free to skip forward a couple of minutes now. Um, it seems that she's a huge fan of Wonder Woman and befriends her, and when Maxwell Lord starts granting people wishes, her wish is to be more like Diana, and that gives her a slightly over-sexualized character, <laughs> and then covers her in fur and she becomes a cat, much like the one that's trying to sit in your lap right now. It was very interesting listening to Patty Jenkins talk at CCXP about the use of practical effects and practical makeup in the film. Um, if you remember she spoke a lot about the fact that because this is an 80s movie and she approached it like an 80s movie which was obviously a period that didn't have cgi per se that they did a lot of the a lot of the stunt work was done practically done on done on wires done using practical sets rather than green screen and that a lot of the makeup was done practically and then she stopped didn't she to sort of say there is a character in the film who at a certain turning point is not practically doable and has to be either augmented or recreated in CGI, and I guess that's when she goes full on cheetah. So that's going to be interesting to see. As long as they don't take it to a cat's place. Certainly, I hope they don't go to a cat's place. 
Those are some memories that you don't want to have. <laughs> oh, we haven't even seen it. Oh, no, no. I have no wish to. I'd quite like to see it just to see what it's like and to see Judy Dench's hand. Well, you won't see it anymore because it's been replaced. Like you, I really enjoyed the music in this trailer. I thought the music was awesome. Very cool remix of Blue Monday, which is one of my favourite songs from the 80s era. I've listened to it a lot since that trailer came out. Be cool if the film does have a very 80s soundtrack overall. I hope it will do. It should do, yeah. Hans Zimmer is scoring this film as well, which could be very cool, given he's like an 80s master. Is he? Yeah. Video killed the radio star. Oh, of course, yeah. I forget he was on that. Yes, exactly. Who else would you want other than the person who wrote the awesome modern Wonder Woman theme and somebody who knows his way around a synth? I don't know. I think Danny Elfman could give him a wee run for his money to be bring back yeah, the days oing, of... Oingo, boingo. Oh, weird science. That's a classic. Don't get any more 80s than that. Danny Elfman's just been announced to uh, play at Coachella Festival next year. Just saying. What's he, what's he going to play? He said he'll be playing music from his uh, film career, past, present and future. And Oingo Boingo. <laughs> it was exciting when I read about it. If only we could afford to go. Or is it? Coachella takes place in Indio, California, located in the Inland Empire region's Coachella Valley within the Colorado Desert. And before you say it, not Colorado, as in Denver, Colorado, the state, as in some sort of valley in California. So not South Park? No, not South Park. How do you feel about the return of Chris Pine, Steve Trevor? Supposedly there is a very in-context reason within the story, and I don't think that it's something that Patty Jenkins would have done purely because she thought that the two had good chemistry. As long as it's explained and it's necessary. Well, presumably she's going to come in contact with Maxwell Lord at some point and just say something. He'll ask her about, I don't know, lost love and she'll say she she wished she had him back. And he'll whip his magic stones out. Yeah. And then pop, pop up Steve will. Out will Steve pop. You went a bit Yoda there. Mm, pop up Steve will. Mm. <laughs> I wish you may have. <laughs> Um, Granted, I will. <laughs> oh, 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 God. That was quite good. That was very good. I agree, though. As long as it works in the story, I think it's fine. The two of them did have... Uh, it's undeniable they had really good chemistry in the last film. Um, and there's literally... I don't... She She's too intelligent of a filmmaker for them to... Every time they make a Wonder Woman movie, say, oh, let's find a reason to bring Steve back. Because that just wouldn't work. Um, and I don't like the fact that... Some people aren't very happy saying that they should be bound by the fact that she said she walked away from man for a hundred years. You know, the whole Justice League, Batman versus Superman thing. Yeah, but are people just going to try and forget about all that? Yes. Uh, well, she has no sword or shield in this film. Did you notice in the trailer? No, no, maybe. Well, what happened to her at the end of... Well, the God Killer was destroyed. That's true. But she had a different sword in Batman versus Superman. And a different shield, in fact. Uh, but she does not have one in this film. Maybe she'll go on a journey to get it. Or nope. maybe she'll just wish for one. No, 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 no. No, it's been discussed. Uh, she will not have one at all. She will not have either a sword or a shield. Um, she is fully powered and not an aggressor. So they they are taking that away. That's 
they're saying that that is like war wonder woman would need weapons like that wonder woman who is a symbol of peace and hope doesn't need such weapons she's got the, the lasso she has the lasso of course yeah you see her using the film I also quite like um, actually which you've just made me think of when she uh, cocks the gun and knocks the bullet away using her bracelet for exactly what she would use it for but in a different manner you're used to seeing her defend herself from bullets but instead you're seeing her knock them away she doesn't have to defend herself from it she's actually just removing it at the same time I quite like that I liked all the lasso stuff as well that was cool all the lasso CGI yeah it's very impressive it is very impressive the way it's done um did you notice what might be the invisible jet? No, I didn't. You keep saying this, but I didn't pick it so up. So there's a there's a shot um, of fireworks, which I'm guessing is going to be something like Independence Day, probably. There might be a July the 4th in there. Uh, and then a couple of shots later is Steve and Diana inside the cockpit of a plane flying through the fireworks. You see them looking up at them through the, the canopy of the plane. Could it be the invisible jet? <clears throat> Well, we'll never see it. No, you'll never see it now. Um, the cheapest thing to CGI ever. It's over there. <laughs> but if they were ever going to do it, this feels like the film where they should do it. Do it in the 80s. Do it if you're doing something slightly more outlandish and a bit more adventurous. Yeah, it would fit, as long as it's done well. Yeah. Well, all of it works, as long as it's done well. No, it's, hopefully you can't see her sitting there in the invisible jet. Or a doll. Or a doll, yeah. I mean, if she could work in just once, Diana having to spin around and change costume, that would just be insane. I, I just, I, if it was ever going to work, it would be in an outlandishly colourful eighties movie. Maybe there'd be like a nod where she'll spin around and take a coat off or something. Yeah, but well, like the thing she had the glasses on for all of one scene in the first film. There's so many things that they could do. Be nice if they got Linda Carter in this one as well. But now we're just theorising about what could happen rather than talking about this trailer. Anything else that you want to say about the trailer? No, just that I'm highly excited for its arrival. Very good. Me too. So as I said, Wonder Woman 1984 is due in cinemas in the UK, and I think actually probably globally, it'll be a global release, on the 5th of June 2020. Next up is another huge trailer that came out over the kind of festive period, and that is the first trailer for the 25th film in the James Bond franchise, No Time to Die. Before we have a chat about it, let's have a listen. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James Bond. 
So you're not dead? Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose. Control. James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. What is it? You don't know what this is. James Bond. License to kill. History of violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God. Time to Die hits cinemas in the UK on April the 2nd, 2020. It stars Daniel Craig as James Bond, Rafe Fiennes as M, Rami Malek as the villain Safin, Leia Sidhu returns from the last film Spectre as Madeline Swan, Ben Whishaw returns as Q, Christoph Waltz once again appears as Ernst Blofeld, Naomi Harris is back as Eve Moneypenny, Billy Magnuson is playing a character called Ash. You've got Lashana Lynch as Nomi. You saw Jeffrey Wright in the trailer as Felix Leiter. And also you have Anna de Armas um, from Knives Out and Blade Runner 2049, who is playing a new Bond girl called Paloma. The film is written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. Ooh, has a lot of writers. Uh, Scott Burns, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, who is also the director of the film. It's also co-written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge and obviously based on the books by Ian Fleming. It's a pretty action-packed trailer. It's very Bond. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't tell by the tone in your voice. I don't know. I can't, I've not decided, to be honest with you. It's just very Bond. So you're not a huge fan of Daniel Craig's Bond films? Not massively. Not because they're bad films. It's just I grew up with Pierce Brosnan. It's interesting because we've and just rewatched the Pierce Brosnan films, haven't we? Yes. And I feel so uh, similar to you. I remember Bond. F- obviously, I'm four years older than you. Um, I rem- the rest. I d- <laughs> I don't think any came out in that four year period. Uh, not that I would remember being between the age of Norton four, but I probably remember Bond a little bit before you do. So we watched a lot of Roger Moore. Bonds in our house and a lot of Sean Connery's. We lo- well, we watched a lot of Bond in general. I just don't really remember Timothy Dalton so much. No, I think so. I, I used to watch so Bond was a thing I'd watch with Dad. Yep. So it was a lot of Sean Connery, obviously, just because you know Scottish. When we're, yeah. <laughs> Who else would you watch? Andy's from Edinburgh. Just saying. 
And then obviously I was old enough to then go to the cinema to see Pierce Brosnan. So, so it was always a thing to That's go what and... I was going to say was Brosnan was the first ones that I saw at the cinema. But I think it's interesting when you go back now and watch the Pierce Brosnan films. I think if you look at them now, they're incredibly dated. And I think it it makes me understand a lot more why Daniel Craig's films are a lot more like they are. Well, you couldn't get away with a Pierce Brosnan film these days. No, they're so exactly. cheesy. Well, I don't think you could get away with any of those classic Bond films now. I think they did the right thing in looking at franchises like Bourne and saying, actually, there are other ways to do this that still reflect the idea of Bond, but give it a better aesthetic for a contemporary audience. Yeah, which is what they've done. Yes. Anyway, that was a long-handed way of saying, what did you think of this trailer? It was very Bond. <laughs> uh, any highlighty moments? No, I just think it feels it's it's got a formula and it stuck to the formula. Nothing surprised me in it. There was action, there was lots of scenery. Yeah. There was a Bond girl. Or two. Or two. There's or some, three. There is a storyline somewhere, but I always get lost because the films, I get a little bit bored. <laughs> um, and I can never remember, so I can't remember what happened in Spectre. Spectre. Blofeld. Blofeld. Who's in this trailer? Yep. And the blonde girl. Leia Sidhu. Madeline Swan. That the one he married? Did he marry her? No, no. Ski lift. Remember, place skiing. I think it's skiing. Snow-capped mountains. Glass house. Hospital. You're just you're saying words. Okay. It's not charades. <laughs> Interesting point that you bring up though about Blofeld and and Leia Seydoux's character because Bond isn't a very serialized franchise. Apart from the M character carries over, the Money Penny character carries over. Q, the the supporting cast in the MI6 side of things carry over, but now we have a Bond girl who carries over, and we have a villain. Okay, Blofeld has always been a recurring villain for the whole franchise, but not he wasn't in any of the Brosnan ones, and he hadn't been in a Daniel Craig until Spectre. So this is we're seeing them do something slightly different. Go on, you want to do Spectre in a Scottish accent? Spectre. Yes. So I think we're seeing it slightly different. And they're bringing back a different aspect of how it used to work in the past. So I quite like that it feels slightly more serialised. Yeah, and I do like them. Because we watched... What did we watch? Casino Royale on Christmas Eve Eve. Yes. No, I, quite, I did enjoy it. I mean, I, it's, there are long films to watch. I think I've got to be in a particular mood to watch them. I think the issue, the only Daniel Craig one for me that is a bit of an issue is Quantum of Solace. See, I, I couldn't tell you what each of them were. Because they all meld into one. Casino Royale is obviously Casino Royale. Um... Which one's Solace? So Solace was his second one. That is the one... The poster is him sort of walking through the desert. Um, and it was a very, very tall structure. This is all I can remember. A very, very tall structure that blew up. And it was not Spectre because they couldn't use that name at the time. So it was an offshoot of Spectre. It was something to do with a place that was remote in the desert. Uh, and Oh, the oil. Yes. Is it oil? It might have been oil. Uh, yeah, I remember Skyfall... Yes. But again, that he went to Scotland. Yes. And I remember or Wales, that. as it actually was. Well, it was, allegedly it was Scotland. And then I remember... Um, Died. Dying. And yep. that was very sad. Yep. Spoilers. And that's all I remember. I don't remember anything from Spectre. Spectre. Day of the Dead? Opens during Mexican Day of the Dead? Oh, yeah. That was very well shot. Yep. Because they always are very well shot. Yep. And then it's Blofeld, and he's got a big old remote... Um, base that they go and that's most of the third act takes place in in Blofeld's base. No, don't remember any of that. Gets captured on London Bridge. 
Or an A-Bridge in London, should I yeah. say. I think Skyfall's probably the one I remember the most. Yeah. And we watched that on Boxing Day. Was it Boxing Day? Did we? Yeah. Yes, we did. We didn't finish it, though. No. <laughs> I think I went to bed. You did. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I don't remember watching M die. I don't remember going to the mansion. We no, got I as far the as face. yes, we got as far as when he takes his jaw out. Anyway, we've completely detracted from this whole trailer. Uh, it's good. It's all right. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm not saddened. I'm just like, oh, it's Bond. I'll watch it. Okay. What were your highlight moments? I really like the look of Rami Malek's villain. Oh, controversial. <laughs> Because he's got facial scarring. Does that always mean you're a bad person? No, it does not. It just means it's a Bond film. Um, I think he will bring something really interesting to the role, and he looks quite interesting. We don't really know very much about him, but from what you see of him here, he, he looks really... He looks like an interesting villain. I also like the look of... I was trying really hard to bring in a, a queen quote there, but I couldn't think of any quick enough. Oh, dear. Shame on you. Uh, the action looks great. I really like the scene of the old classic Aston Martin with the uh, the machine guns coming out of the headlights and doing donuts. Uh, but actually, I think the highlight for me, quite possibly, is... That's quite a lot of highlights already. All right. Can I have another one? You can have one more. Uh, the cinematography. I think it looks really nicely shot. I particularly like the shot um, that looks like candles or light strips. So it's towards the end and it's quite a blue looking set piece but with lots of really bright light strips in it I think it looks really cool and I think this might be something that I think all the modern Bonds have had is some really interesting cinematography but this looks like it might be the most interesting mm. they've always got that one iconic shot haven't they yeah so I remember the one from Casino Royale and is it Casino Royale with the Chinese floating yep. palace that was yep. nicely shot when yes he's in the little boat yes it's almost like the boat to Hogwarts yes well done not. I remember that uh, what do you remember from any of the Brosnans? Goldeneye, go. Yeah, I remember the theme tune. No, we're talking about iconic shots. Oh, iconic shots, sorry. I thought you were just asking We all know you like Tina Turner. We're talking about iconic shots. Um. Too late, Bond in a tank. Uh, tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, God. Which one was that? That's. <clears throat> Too late, that would be Bond and Terry Hatcher standing over the party. World is not, not enough. An iconic shot, is it? That's just um. Well, it's just one that sticks out in my head. Uh, world is not enough. Uh, flying down the side of the building. Well done. That was a real building, wasn't it? And who is he flying down the side of the building with? Oh, um, Captain from Discovery. <clears throat> Times up. Michelle Yeoh, Captain Giorgio from Star Trek Discovery. She did all her stunts, do you know? And she did do all with of... her. Exactly, she did. She was trained from the Jackie's. Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan school, uh, and no one would fight with her, so they had to bring in his own stunt team to fight with her because she was too lethal. She was that badass. <laughs> yes. Uh, was, what was his last one? Uh, Die another day. Oh, your favourite. <laughs> Why? Because of the theme. awful, awful, abysmal theme tune. Don't you? Don't don't. I can I see you. Either. Don't even do it. I won't do it. If you mention a famous psychologist's name, I will throw my microphone out of the window uh, iconic shot though and fake Iceland <laughs> invisible car it wasn't invisible it had camouflage abilities alright okay it left tyre tracks alright back to no time to die what didn't you like what were you worried about worried about anything in the film not in life <laughs> another time to uh, die. no actually I don't think 
there was anything in the trailer that I was put off by. No, not at all. I know there's a lot of people that are upset about Lashana Lynch's character being a not just a female 007, but a black female 007. Now, interesting point. I've got a theory. How do you think this film will end? Ooh, um, I was about to say he'll end up having some sort of intimate relations with one of the female characters, but I don't know that all the Daniel Craig films have ended that way. It tends to end in um, quite <laughs> sad moments for him. I think what would be interesting is yes. if at the end he was to either die right. or retire and this new double O take over the double O seven mantle. And then we'll have a female lady of colour. <laughs> female lady. Yep. Sorry. Be in the new double O seven. It could happen. Because then that would e- that would easily end his chapter and it would keep the continuation of Double O seven. Double O seven and MI six and all the other people and it's yep. not just a massive reboot. Well, he has said that this is his last film. I know he said it before, but I think that he really, really means it this time. In saying that, she's probably a double agent and it's going to ruin everything. <laughs> you never know. But that would be an interesting twist to see in a yes. double film. Um, really interested to see what Anna de Armas does in this film. So, we've just been to see Knives Out. Uh, she is the nurse from How Knives Out. she in it? <laughs> I've said this to you. She is. She's only in two shots in the trailer. You see her uh, once, just kind of facing the camera, and another time wielding machine guns. Oh no! Wonder I didn't recognise her. She's gone from a really shy and quiet vomit nurse to some badass machine machine gun wielding Bond girl. Bond girl. She she's kind of Hollywood's hottest property at the moment. Um, she was in Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine, which I think she's excellent in. Um, he was also in The Informer that I saw last year, which is that film with um, the guy that played Rick Flagg in Suicide Squad. Oh, you told me about this. She was a little bit dull and lifeless in that film. But then she's amazing in Knives Out. So I think more and more she's a great actress. It's just going to be interesting to see what she does here. Hopefully she's a very modern era Bond girl. Bear in mind this film has a female co-writer as well. So that's a, that's totally new for a Bond film. In that respect. Okay. Somebody will probably tell me all the times a woman has now written a Bond film, but you know. Moving on. Yes, moving swiftly on. Um, when can we see this film? You can see this film on April the 2nd, 2020. We would love to hear what you think about either of the two trailers that we've just talked about, actually. Wonder Woman or James Bond. If you would like to get in touch, you can either contact me. I am on social media as at Neil Vag. You can find Martin at BoyWonder1989. Uh, he talks about nursing a lot, so... It, Unless you happen to be interested in pain in healthcare, it might not be very interesting. Otherwise, you can find us at Get Your Comic Con on all platforms. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, the topics that we've been discussing, so feel free to get in touch. So one more trailer to talk about quickly, which is for the upcoming DC Universe and CW series, Stargirl. Take a little listen. Starman, are you there? Starman! Justice Society must live on. Someone with honor must carry the torch. I know this has been difficult. The move and a new stepfather, but we're gonna make a good life. Hey, sorry, that's just real delicate. What are you? It's the cosmic staff. It's extraordinary. 
extremely temperamental. The staff's not supposed to work for anyone except Starman. This has to be the reason the staff lit up. The staff chose me, and I choose you. I never thought there'd be another Starman. Stargirl. Stargirl. New series coming spring 2020 on The CW. Stargirl doesn't have a premiere date as yet, but is arriving in uh, spring 2020, loosely. It stars Breck Bassinger as Courtney Whitmore slash Stargirl. Meg DeLacy as Cindy Berman. It also co-stars Neil Jackson, Yvette Monreal. It's like Montreal, but take out the T, I probably pronounced that wrong. Trey Romano, Hunter Sansom, Amy Smart, Jake Austin Walker, Luke Wilson, and... Christopher James Baker. It's really difficult reading on IMDb who's in the cast list because basically it looks like they know everyone including all the extras that are in all of the episodes so <laughs> I could read on for about 20 minutes and they could be no one. Or I might read out something that could be a spoiler. Um, so just covering this one off quickly. We don't need to do this in too much depth. Just wanted to know what you thought of it basically. Whether you are excited for this show, what you picked up on that you thought looked really cool or was an interesting little Stargirl deep cut. Obviously, we were in the room with Jeff Johns at that panel at San Diego Comic Con when he kind of announced the announced it and the first bit of artwork from it. So, just want to see what you thought of this one. Um, I don't know anything about Stargirl. I only really know, um, that she's modelled on Jeff Johns' sister in real life, uh, who was sadly killed in a car accident, and he wrote this character based on her. I know that. I know she's related to the Justice Society of America. She was in... There's been a live-action version of her in something. I think she may have been in Smallville at some point. Oh, okay. Not as, a, not as a particularly like lengthy appearance, but I think she's been in there. She's been in Legends of Tomorrow as well, I think. Yes, she has been in Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, really? Yes. Not her, but there were some flashbacks, I'm sure, featuring the Justice Society. Oh, of course, because of the... Captain... Yeah. yeah. Steel. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not expect. So I'm on. What am I trying to say? You on the fence? I'm going to Yoda again. Are you sitting on the fence? Hmm. Um. No, I'm not on the fence. I'm just a bit like, oh, I'm excited. Yes. But I'm. I'm probably more excited because I felt the same way about Doom Patrol. Yes. Was like, I've never heard of these people. I don't really know much about them, so I've got low expectations. And now you've pretty much read all their comics. But never. I'm. You know, I've spent the last year reading all of the Grant Morrison stuff. Um, so I'm hopefully I'm going to get the same response when I see this. Mm-hmm. When is it set? Is it modern days? Is it old modern day, days? Yeah. So no. the the flashback that you see briefly with um, Joel McHale as Starman is set in the past, and then oh, okay, uh, Courtney Whitmore is very much in in present day. Because I wasn't sure if we we're saying that the GSA were current or no in the black and white days. I would say black and white days. Oh, okay, I could be wrong. Because then it kind of gives her a. It'd be interesting to see where we go after Crisis, where she'll be in the universe. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there was all this, Stargirl's going to appear in Crisis. And fair enough, there are two more episodes left, so she could still appear in Crisis. Uh, Side note, if you would like to hear our thoughts on Crisis on Infinite Earths, then please listen to Crisis on Infinite Podcasts, featuring our friends Earth9 DC, X-Geeks, and We Have a Hulk. (laughs) I tried to do that in my best, like, end of an advert voice. You know, like Mm -hmm. T's and C's. Um, Fail. Needs further development. Okay. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> oh yeah, crisis. Um, 
And then during an ad break in one of the Crisis episodes, they showed that trailer. So is that how she was in Crisis? Or... Because there was this whole thing about um, she turns up in Crisis, it's going to set her place in the universe, we'll understand where she fits within the Arrowverse, yada yada yada. Then all that arrived was trailer. Oh, we've got two more to go. Is she going to be in the Arrowverse? No. No, 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 no. I don't. It's the same producers, but in the same way that Titans is the same producers. So, you know. I hope she's not in the Arrowverse. (laughs) Why? I don't mean that in a bad way. No. I just prefer the. DC universe version. Yeah, that's fine. You don't need to be don't need, don't be worried about having an opinion. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> then why did you say it so tentatively? Well, I'm just being PC. Oh, you don't need to be. We're all friends here. I think the action looks really good. I think the staff looks really well rendered in on the film. It doesn't look. You know, when she's twirling it around and it's it's lighting up, it doesn't look like really naff CGI. It looks like it's been well done. Doesn't really posh there. Oh, the staff were awful. <laughs> well, no. See, I was having this conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day about your favourite moments in Power Rangers history, and we were talking about how Lord Zed, when we were kids, was really freaking scary. And then I said, but it's all completely ruined when you see that episode where his staff had clearly been broken whilst being taken to set, and the entire episode it's held together by silver gaffer tape. Which, as a child, you never notice, but when you see it now, you're like, oh, he's less scary when his staff is plastic and, you know, held together by tape. Maybe it's magical tape. <laughs> it's yeah, intergalactic maybe. gaffer tape. Yes. Uh, I digress. Anything you weren't sure of? No. Other than what it's about? No, I just want to see how it fits and what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. If we get a bit more sort of GSA stuff. There are members of the JSA have been cast and will be in it. Ooh, which ones? Uh, oh, I couldn't possibly tell you that. Well, we'll have to wait and see then. You will have to wait and see. Spoil the surprise. Exactly. Uh, but there is no release date as yet. All we know is that it's going to be spring. I think it because it's going to be um, premiering on DC Universe. So say uh, Friday seems to be DC Universe's day. So if it continue, if it follows pattern, it'll be on DC Universe on the Friday. Then on the Saturday, it would be on the CW. And then it becomes available on the CW streaming service after that. So it, you'll be able to get it either via the CW or by DC Universe. Um so because of that, I imagine to not confuse things with the Arrowverse, it will probably be April, May time as those shows wrap up. I think you've kind of covered it all. I haven't really got anything else to say. I think it looks really cool. I think it looks funky. She looks like quite a compelling lead as well. Yeah. You, that's the kind of thing where you worry about having a young lead like that. That it could come off as really cheesy and, you know, like marvelly. <laughs> but actually it doesn't. It looks it looks really well done. As all the DC Universe shows have been. Well, they're very well made, aren't they? Exactly. Exactly. I like some other franchise who... Oh, right, all right. We're not... <laughs> haven't had much luck in a TV platform. <laughs> We're not the anti-Marvel brigade here. No, I didn't, I didn't say any names. You're the one dropping the names oh, here. Other comic book publishers are available. Yes, moving on. <laughs> so, there is one film that has come out in the last month that has polarised quite a lot of opinion um, some people love it some people really don't and uh, I'm fairly indifferent on the subject it's time to talk about the rise of Skywalker it's an instinct 
course brought us together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is in cinemas now. It's directed by J.J. Abrams and this cast list is going to be as long as my arm. You have Carrie Fisher as Leia Organa, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, Daisy Ridley as Rey, John Boyega as Finn, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Naomi Aki as Jana, 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 Dom Hall Gleason as General Hux, Richard E. Grant as General Pride, Lupita Nyogo as Maz Katana, Kantana, she's not a sword, Kerry Russell as Zori Bliss, and Jonas Sutomeo as Chewbacca. Let's not forget you also have Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose Tico, Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, and Flippin' Eka could go on and on. <laughs> right. Let's just say it now. Did you like this film? Um, did I like this film? I didn't like it, but I didn't not like it. Oh, okay, I thought you didn't like it. No, I was a bit like, I can see what you've done. It yeah. was a nice film. Yeah. But it didn't, it sort of missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. But then there's been a lot of hype and a lot of build up. It's very difficult to try and end any franchise well not I'll come on to that phrase in a second let alone a franchise that's one of the biggest in the universe that has been going for over 40 years how do you satisfy the millions of people that are going to turn up to see the end of a 42 year old franchise that has countless books, comics games 
cartoon series, now live action series as well. It's, I just don't think it's possible. And I, so what I was going to say there, I really don't think they should have said this is the end of the Skywalker saga. I just think that Disney now has a thing for sagas. The Infinity Saga, the Skywalker Saga. Is it necessary? It worked really well with Marvel. That is that 22, 23 film arc that goes from Avengers 1 to... Not Avengers 1. From Iron Man 1 to Avengers Endgame. That works. That's self-contained. There aren't TV series that are part of that. There aren't comic books that are part of that. There aren't even particularly video games that are part of that. Star Wars is a different beast. And all they've really done is continue the way they have continued in the past. Characters that have been there have now gone. Storylines that previously existed have now ended. There are still other things that the three leads from the current franchise could do. Much like there were things that Luke, Leia and Han could have done. And there were things that Obi-Wan could have done after the prequels. But all they've really done is given themselves a reason to release like a 22-disc box set and call it the Skywalker Saga. I know that sounds harsh, but that's just how I feel. Like, was there... I I just... I don't see the need to put the weight of the world on the shoulders of this film. And I think that that's what they did by saying this is the end of that saga. It's not the end of Star Wars. It's the end of that saga. And then you just put a huge stamp on it to say it's going to be this big thing to end it. After having just released Endgame, which is one of the biggest films in the universe, it immediately put so much expectation on it that I just don't think it ever had a chance. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I walked out of the cinema feeling lost and empty. We were talking about this in the office yesterday. And everybody in the office had seen it. I said the same things like, yeah, it was alright. It was a bit boring though. And I was like, yeah, it's an alright film. Yeah. I've only seen it once. I'd like to see it again, actually. We definitely need to see it again. And I wanted to see it over Christmas, but I just didn't find the time. Um, I think I'll probably enjoy it more the second time because it's not like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? My thoughts, exactly. So I think our opinion might change slightly from it being an okay film to it being, eh, okay. Having said that, I do have issues with the story. Are we giving this a spoilerific or is it just general? It's been out for, what, three weeks? So I think we're probably safe in spoiler territory. Too many MacGuffins. Ah, the MacGuffin. Do you, I felt like I was watching a video game. In this level, you must find this item. When you find this item, it will lead you to this item. When you find that item, it will lead you to this. And this will give you the coordinates to find the big bad. Yeah, and whenever they found something, there was like a little mini boss fight as well. Yes. That was a lot of McGuff. But, um, this wasn't supposed to be a J.J. Abrams film. This film was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow, who did uh, the second Jurassic World film. Um, just letting you know, I bought that on iTunes yesterday, four ninety nine. Thank you very much, on sale. Um, and he got removed from the film. And it being a huge corporation that has a release date that they have to meet... They didn't delay the film, they just brought JJ back in and gave him a very short time in which to rewrite it. Fix the stuff that went wrong in the last one? 
depends on your point of view. Uh, Fix the I... stuff that went wrong in the last one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and the concern that I have with that is I can understand that there are so many things that are probably already in place. So they probably had, apart from having cinema time reserved, there may have already been product placements in place. There were, there were probably a lot of cogs in that machine that were already too far along for them to be able to delay it without it causing further issues. So I can understand that there are probably business reasons that they still went ahead and just had to rush through doing it. But does that ultimately end up with you having the film that it should be? It, worked, it felt like JJ was trying to do part two and this one in one. If he had made a trilogy, I think the story would have been the same. But you would have had Force Awakens, meet the new guys, settle them in, say goodbye to some of the old cast. Part two... Part two would have almost been the opening crawl. This whole thing about a signal from de- from the depths of the galaxy from Emperor Palpatine. That would have been part two, let's try and find him. Part three would have then been, let's take him down. But he didn't get to do part two, so... It was, let's find him really, really quickly. Yeah. With a special cube. Or with them no, let's do what we want to do. Yeah, and we'll come to that bit in a minute. Um, <clears throat> but I do think... So this was written by Chris Terrio, who actually wrote Batman vs. Superman, which means this guy has a track record for uh, highly polarising derivative films. Um, however, I love Batman vs. Superman. I think it's a great version of the Injustice universe of DC on film. Not necessarily the comic book universe, but that darker, edgier game universe. Um so I have nothing against the way he writes. I don't think he did a great job with this film. I think there were some really sloppy, lazy things that he did in this script. Such as? Why did Chewbacca walk out of the ship into the desert whilst holding the Sith Wayfinder for no reason and then get captured? He didn't have a reason to walk off from that ship. He just walked off. Then we went to visit the, the planet that Poe took them to where C-3PO got wiped. Oh, yeah. But don't worry, because R2 may have backed him up. So, two things. Firstly, hugely emotional speech from Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. I'm saying goodbye to my friends. Brilliant way that they could have gotten rid of that character and still had him physically there, but not be him. That would have been tragic. That would have been great. But no. Fixed. But also, we go to this planet... Poe has history there. We meet the woman he has history with, who he clearly has feelings for. The Emperor then fires on that planet and destroys it. The only two speaking parts from that planet who we hadn't seen leave that planet then turn up at the end of the film alive. This is another example of Disney not having consequences. And that annoyed me. Just saying. Which is interesting, because if you watch a Disney cartoon, they're really sad and there's lots of <laughs> I know, but they seem to have lost that idea. They, they, there's no impact to the stuff that happens. I mean, the film is paced so fast anyway that there's almost no chance for anything to have an impact because there's no room to breathe within the story. But, okay, fair enough. Leia does die, and that is sad, and that's the only time I felt anything during this film. But... Even before they allowed her to die, they made her a Jedi, we saw her training, she had her own lightsaber. There was so much that happened. It was just like, I don't know, I don't, I didn't have time to take in any of the stuff that happened, because there just wasn't room to breathe within the script. 
Yeah. And then we got all those special new powers. Well, the <laughs> so it's interesting that they released that episode of The Mandalorian early that week. So the reason for that that they said was, you know, we don't want The Mandalorian to get lost because everyone's going out to see Star Wars. But what happened was, in that episode, Baby Yoda, spoiler alert, healed someone. And that was the first time we saw Jedi powers of healing. And then it, the exact same thing was in the film. They must have used those uh, metachlorians. Oh, the good old metachlorians. Uh, I realise it sounds like I'm being really, really critical. Because actually, I, it is. It's you have to say, it's a well-made film. John Williams does a bang-up job, as always, composing it. The CGI is outstanding from start to finish. There, there's nothing wrong with the actual physical production of it. It's just not written very well. It drops in things um, that are important, but doesn't give them, like I just said, it doesn't give them room to, to settle in to the audience beforehand. So you see the Sith Wayfinder in the first scene. Kylo Ren finds one. Uh, and immediately they need one because that's what you need to find the Emperor. Um, thank God there was two. Exactly, thank God there was two, because the story needed two. Um, well, I'm trying to think of other things that happened that were just convenient. Ray needed two lightsabers in order to do that two lightsaber trick to defeat Palpatine, and so miraculously Leia suddenly had a lightsaber of her own. That It's that kind of sloppy writing, whereby it's like the story needs it, but we're not going to put that idea in earlier, or use something from earlier and bring it back. We're just going to tell you what you need as soon as you need it. And that's, I think, my biggest issue with it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Things that you did like, though. Let's do some positives. I mean, it was all right. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Any scenes that stand out to you that you enjoyed? Lightsaber battle on top of the ruins of the old Death Star, I yeah, thought was good. That was cool. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember it very well, I'll be honest with you. That was before Christmas. <laughs> and I've got that weird Christmas haze. Yep. But Lake Super Battle was really cool. All the new Death Stars was impressive. Death Stars? Or the Star Destroyers. Oh, the Star Destroyers. Or the Death Stars. <laughs> okay, my latest issue. <laughs> um, but again, that many starships. Question. Once. Yeah, go for it. So... For the 40 years since Return of the Jedi, he's been hiding on a rock in the depths of space. Yeah. Where did he find the material to build 10,000 ships? The people to, to man 10,000 ships. There were clones, but where did he find a clone farm? Did he use the one from, you know, the prequels where they got the droid army from, maybe? Um, how did he feed all those people? Because it was a rock. There was nothing on that rock. I mean, it was a whole planet. It, there was nothing on it. It was just it was just a planet of rock. But I mean, you could argue that he's always had the support from. He's he is essentially the first order. Yeah. And that man, that British man, what's his name? Richard E. Grant. Yeah, Richard E. Grant. That that fella. Yep. He was like, oh, I'm, I've always been there. <laughs> the man that's the Spice Girls manager. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, he was like, "Oh, I've always been a secret supporter," and he's like, "Yeah, he's the one that's pulling the strings." So you could always be like, "Oh, well, they just send him a couple of loaves of bread." Okay, something. package every now and then. Yeah. Okay, my other question is, who on earth were all those people in his throne room? Well, they were clearly the Sith. And were they killed? 
Well, they all got squished, conveniently. They didn't <laughs> think to leave. Which so then, if you if you say that yes, he did have this, he had this huge clone army, and he had all these ships. Um, he now had technology that was beyond a Death Star because a Star Destroyer can now destroy a planet by itself. Well, it takes forty years. Things moved on. It, well, exactly. But if he had all that, if he had that arsenal, why was he sitting and waiting? And what was he waiting for? Because in theory, he's saying that he was waiting for the two of them. This new prophecy is the two of them, and he wants Ray to arrive so that he can put his powers back into her but we're only ever told that he was pulling uh ben kylo ren's strings so how did he know that pulling kylo ren's strings would eventually get him involved with ray who was left on this other planet and had nowhere near any experience of being anywhere near him well it sounds like you don't fully appreciate the power of the dark side possibly does that not just sound like a huge just kind of plot hole contrivance that they don't want you to think about yeah, but they'll just explain it away as like, oh, it's the dark side. He he saw it in a magic. I, get, I think I maybe thought about this too much. Yeah. He he had a MacGuffin. He could see these things. I don't know. He's got a special lightsaber. <laughs> Who knows? He's got all those Sith people wandering about the place. I think what I I just chalked this up to the fact that I wish I could have sat back and enjoyed it, but I couldn't. There was one too many holes, and it made me think about what was going on. And because of that, it ruined it for me because it unraveled the whole thing. It was interesting because the guy next to me when we were watching it was getting really angry and upset because he was getting really bored. The guy opposite, well not opposite, the guy sat next to me just kept going, he was an older guy probably in his late 50s, early 60s who was clearly a, an original Star Wars fan from the beginning and he just sat going, no, 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 no! Oh, I thought that was you. No. Yeah. Well, well, it was towards the end. Um, oh God, let's not talk about the ending. What, the kiss? Oh God. She has the kiss of death. Oh. No. Just and left, I can't... E- they just left it like that. Let her die. Yeah. Let him be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some good here. Just pointing something out. Or let them both die. Then it would have yeah. ended the saga. I'm, I'm just going to point something out. One more time. What was this saga called? The, Sky- <laughs> the Skywalker saga. And what blood is in his lineage skywalker so why wasn't why why didn't she die and why didn't why wasn't he the one that then rose up because you could then have looked at these three trilogies and said luke was the hero of the original anakin wasn't really the hero of but at least there was you know a skywalker at the center of it and at this one it ends with a skywalker it starts with a skywalker it ends with one well, I suppose in Disney's world it ends with the Skywalker. Not the Skywalker you wanted. No. It's not even the Skywalker you need. <laughs> it's just a bit of lazy writing. I, and again, that should be a hugely emotional moment. But actually, would it not have been more interesting if she'd said, my name is Ray Palpatine? Because that would instantly put the fear of God into anyone, being like, oh my God. But she was redeeming the family name. I mean, not that there was a name to be redeemed, particularly, but, you know, to be able to say, I'm a Palpatine, I accept who I am, but I'm now going to lead the, the Jedi. But, no, she had to say, fan service. <clears throat> fan service. But it's fine because Luke and Leia were there watching over and said, you do that, Henry. <laughs> yes, that's the exact quote. Go, Go on your sail. Go on your sail, Henry. You be a wee Skywalker and you fix it. Okay, 
Um, Here's a wee secret lightsaber that we've hidden away for you. We've probably said a little bit. We've ranted too much now about this film. <laughs> we'll go see it again. Yeah, and I, mean, I think we will appreciate it more. It's not a bad film. It's not a good film. It's all right. I would watch it on a Sunday. Has it changed your opinion of The Last Jedi? Mm, no. Actually, I will say one more thing. Sorry. Uh, I feel like there may not be much love between J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson. Oh, really? If not just from that scene where Luke has his lightsaber and says, this is the kind of thing that you treat with reverence. There were one too many moments that called back to The Last Jedi and poked fun at it. I just wonder if those two aren't the best of friends. Yeah, I can see that. But we'll let that you'll let that one to linger on the listeners' ears. Absolutely. What would you score this out of ten? Oh, five, because it was it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, it was all right. Okay. I'm in the middle, and I'm eh, I'd watch it on a Sunday. Yep. With a wee nap in the middle. Okay. I didn't review this film. I gave this film to James to review because he's a huge Star Wars fan, and I knew that he would probably give it a better write up than I would, judging by how I reacted to watching it. But had I reviewed it, I would probably have given it a five as well. Maybe a six. Five and a half. Five and a half. Can you give a five and a half? Because then it's a half of a half. <laughs> well, because five and a half would be... No, of course you can. I know. You, if you're going for a middle. Well, it's not true. middle then anymore, is it? You'd have to round up. <sighs> That's crazy logic. A five. It was all right. The Rise of Skywalker is in cinemas globally now and will be for a good long while yet because it's going to make a billion dollars and it will do well regardless, but we'll see how history remembers it, I think. So I threw this in as a bit of a last minute thing just because uh, we've completed this series and it's been a huge talking point for the last three, four days. But we're going to have a quick chat about BBC's Dracula. There are monsters in this world. Creatures. That will leave a shadow on your soul. He's a very persuasive man, the Count. He is a monster. One might almost say seductive. This is devilry. It's worse than that. It is the devil. I'm going to destroy everything and everyone you love. And I will drink my fill. I've studied the legends. I know who you are. Spare I'm undead. I'm not unreasonable. The series has just finished airing over three nights. It was uh, written and executive produced by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss. It starred Clace Bang as Dracula and Dolly Wells as both Zoe and Agatha Van Helsing, which is, I'm afraid, a spoiler already. The series is going to be internationally available via Netflix and uh, in the UK will now be available on Netflix as well as on iPlayer as it's finished. So, what do we think of Dracula? What a revelation this week. I really liked it. Yeah. Surprise. Huge surprise. What were your thoughts about it beforehand, before we watched it? 
I have to say, I don't, I didn't really think this was particularly on your radar. Whereas I have been absolutely, like, clutching at it, this, waiting for it to premiere. Yeah, it wasn't really on my radar. I was like, oh, you know, it should be interesting. It's Gatus and Moffat. Moffat, they're they're a nice team. It's a good Sherlock team. Good Doctor Who-ish, Torchwoody team. Yep. So I was like, yeah, I'll look forward to it. But I wasn't counting down the days and minutes and hours. Oh, I was, especially after the um, presentation that they did at MCM in October, where they showed the trailer. I was just expecting it to be uh, another BBC drama. BBC drama about Dracula that would be reasonably true to the the storyline. Okay. And what are your thoughts now that you've seen all three parts? I was pleasantly surprised to have taken it somewhere completely different. I wholeheartedly agree. I think part one was an absolute revelation. I was slightly shocked that it was scarier than I was expecting it to be yeah. for a BBC One drama. I was like, oh, jeez, oh. Which was your favourite of the three? The first one. Okay. And which was your least favourite of the three? The last one. Interesting. What about you? I would probably agree, actually. Uh, what I really appreciate is that all three could technically be classed as a different kind of genre. So episode one is very much um, in the vein of a Hammer horror film. It's slashery. You know, it's got a bit more of the gore in it than you had in other episodes. And some more straight up scares and horror. Episode two felt very much like a psychological thriller. Mm. You had your one location and it wasn't necessarily about the kill. It was about all of the build up to it and how everyone was manipulated by Dracula and how he played a game with them all. And then the third one, bloody hell, I don't know what you would call the third one. Um, it's like a revenge drama-ish, sort of, maybe? No, I think the third one was... It's like a gothic romance. Taking the story that you all know and love inside out and then turning it on its head and be like, aha, yeah. caught you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you class it into a drama. Let's just take each episode one by one for a second. Um, highlight of the first one? Uh, the Nuns. <laughs> okay uh, and anything that you didn't particularly like no I quite liked all of it I liked the how it was a story within a story yep scariest moment oh god that baby <laughs> yes Chucky oh no okay highlight moment of episode two. Oh, um oh Probably, I would say all of it. I didn't really. There wasn't a particular thing that stood out. I enjoyed all of it. I was a bit lost to start with. Not lost. Yeah. I was a bit like Ooh. slower. Where it's a slower, much slower episode. But it really pulled me in at the end. And I liked the how we didn't resolve the cliffhanger from episode one straight away. It lingered. Yes. And uh, scariest moment. There wasn't really a moment in that when it got me. No, I guess not. Because, again, different type of... It was a different yeah. type of story, so there weren't sort of jump scares in that one. Um, third episode, highlight moment? Probably the end. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. Elaborate? Well, there's such a, a different ending to what we were expecting. Absolutely. <laughs> so far beyond what I was expecting. He's like, oh, I... Oh, I I think I see what you've done there. I, I mm. both 
don't like it but like it at the same time scary race moment oh god that bloody child <laughs> la 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 pulling on the end of the bed and like jeez oh yes I've not slept since every time there's a cat running over my feet I think oh god is that a cat is that a dead child there was a surprising amount of comedy in it as well it's yeah, really was great very, comedy it was a bit of a cockney geezer at times it was very enigmatic very suave uh, reminded me a lot of Tom Ellis as Lucifer yes I was getting lots of Lucifer vibes yeah what were your highlights from episode one? Ooh, um, mm, ooh, ripping the face off oh my god the blood curdling oh, scream for Mina the way that the makeup effects the make the special effects makeup was unparalleled in this absolutely huge round of applause to the makeup team for what they were able to do in this and does that count as your scariest moment from that episode as well or um no actually i think my scariest moment was when uh dracula came out of the body of the wolf oh that wasn't really scary though that was more it was creepy yeah i what i what i really appreciated was that uh it focused in all three episodes on different parts of dracula's character that are not necessarily always picked up on in adaptions um so there were certain things like in the second episode uh because he was on the demeter the the thing with the demeter is that in the book when it arrives in in whitby it arrives with the rolling fog you know like in buffy when dracula's in that the storms arrive to go with it that's a typical thing and they gave an origin to his power and they gave a context and a rationale to it not just that he was able to blow smoke (laughs) fog but also one of the reasons that he was able to do that was because it covered the sun so that he could then stand out in the sun um or you know he could be seen more in daylight uh, which is interesting because in the book he can actually walk around in daylight anyway that's a it's a more modern thing that he's afraid of the sun anyway sorry next question we've answered now highlights from episode two uh highlights from episode two um when um once they've revealed agatha on the boat and they're up on the top deck and they've uh nailed down the circle of bible pages so that he can't attack them and they get Piotr to to step outside because they're worried that Dracula's redone the trick with the mask and as Piotr steps out he hesitates from putting both feet out of the the um the circle and obviously as an audience it's a bit of misdirection for us to make us think that actually it is Dracula or that he's been turned and that actually when he does put his other foot out Dracula appears and scares him and then he's like oh that was scary that's not his exact line but he says something really funny in response and it's it's a really great dramatic moment that is then completely cut through by quite a hilarious line from dracula and i just think that's it's just a perfect representation of how this character is in this version yeah episode three charred corpse yeah i knew you were gonna say (laughs) it just i didn't it was another example of where i thought the show wasn't going to show something that it did uh like the baby in episode one like the child earlier on in this episode I, I thought there would be things that it would signpost towards and show as being slightly off camera or you wouldn't see all of it. You'd see part of it or you'd hear it. And so I I thought they were brave enough to show uh, the actress in the coffin, in the furnace with fire around her. I thought that was pretty brave as it was. Um, Spoilers. Spoilers. But to then show her, actu- like to have the actress in a full body makeup as a as a charred corpse I thought was really impressive both the highlight and scare give us a kiss no <laughs> no 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 thank you your skin's Not hanging off that crispy bacon lips yeah 
And what do you think of the ending? Because you're hardcore into the book. Uh, yes, my favourite book of all time. I read it once a year in the month of October. Um, I It didn't land for me. I didn't not like it. It just wasn't what I was expecting. So when I watch it again, I'm going to be interested to see how I respond to it. Like I was telling you earlier, there was a way that I thought episode three was going to go. Uh, before I'd seen episode three, I thought they were setting it up that it wouldn't quite be a full story and we'd have a second series. That's now clear to me that that's never going to happen. Um, and I've, I've made my peace with that. Uh, but You never know, maybe get Frankenstein. Maybe. Frankenstein. Um, but I thought this episode was signposting me in a specific direction that it didn't go. Which was uh, when Dracula has surfaced and has been captured and he is in the uh, Jonathan Harker Institute and he's in his cell. And we find out that Zoe van helsing has cancer uh what i immediately saw in my head for the rest of that episode and for the idea of the whole series is that the three episodes is one very perfectly balanced arc between the van helsing family and dracula in the episode one pitches van helsing as this woman who's trained her entire life to try and take out dracula and he is very much the villain and she very much is the victim at the end of that episode. In episode two, she begins very much as the victim when you discover that he's bitten her and that she's basically dying in a bed on that on that boat. And that actually she uses what life she has left to take Dracula down. And it ends with him pretty much, you know, underwater, stuck there, trying to survive, possibly, possibly dead, for all we know. Um, and that then in episode three, it's completely mirrored to episode one. And yes, he has survived... But now he is on the back foot. She is now the one with all the power. And that he then becomes experimented on for medical need, whatever need it is, to, to try and help society now. And actually you begin the series thinking he's this horrible monster and end up thinking that we're horrible monsters because we've done something to, he, to him. When, yes, he's a demon or a devil or whatever you want to call him, but really at the end of the day he's just an afflicted person and a creature that is trying to survive. I've gone so far away from your question now. Um, whereas what we actually got was more of a romantic tale between the two of them and how the how the Van Helsing bloodline and the Dracula bloodline intermixed and came together and was something that existed together. And so they healed each other's wounds in death, sort of. Is how I interpreted it. She took away all the things that he feared. He took away what she feared. And in that, they died together. Kind of like a romance, just a really tragic sort of Romeo and Juliet romance. So to sum up, <laughs> loved it. Good, very well. That's all I was after. <laughs> By the way, if you've not watched it, I apologise. <laughs> I'm very, very sorry. Uh, what I, what again? No, what, there's more. <laughs> well, no, the only, the only other thing that I wanted to say was, um, if you look at the American TV industry. Oh, this is going to be long. No, it's not going to be long. Uh, you sink or you swim. If you don't land as a success and continue success, you're cancelled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's immediate. If it's not good, it's, it's done. It doesn't. Not, things don't have a chance to grow. They don't have a chance to, to you know, to become successful. You're successful and you live. You're not. You're done for. Um, and because of that, I think, and we're relatively similar in the UK. We just don't have as much of a turnover. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of creativity in a lot of properties that are adaptions of older text or older properties. Um, and I very much applaud 
the fact that they did something completely original. So even though it didn't necessarily land for me in the end, and it wasn't entirely a product that I was happy with, I loved part one, and I loved part two, and I enjoyed part three. So I would rather see somebody do something unique that I don't entirely connect with than seeing a boring repeat of what I've seen a million times before. So what I'm trying to say is, I, regardless of how it turned out, I applaud. Ironically, not how I felt about Star Wars. <laughs> oh, God, we got there. We did. Any other thoughts that you'd like to make on Dracula? Oh, no. No? No. Okay, have I said too much? Maybe a little bit. Okay. Uh, so just to, to repeat, Dracula is available now. All three parts are available on iPlayer in the UK, and it will be coming to Netflix. Uh, internationally, it is also available via Netflix. So to wrap up for today, we're going to go over our latest discussion topic, uh, which was that we asked you to let us know what your highlights were of uh, 2019. The decade. should have asked people what their highlight of the decade was, but I could barely think what my highlights of 2019 were. Um, so, going to the comments, we've got Paul Atwood, who uh, said, It Chapter 2, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and the Game of Thrones finale. Less said the better. <laughs> Yes, agreed. Game of Thrones not necessarily going to be on many people's highlight of the year list, I don't think. No. Uh, then we have the guys from Nerds Chatting, at Nerds Chatting, who said uh, TV would be Chernobyl and Watchmen. Yep, we've not watched Chernobyl, but Watchmen we finally managed to catch up on and finish, and I think we both agreed it was outstanding. It's basically our review of that one. Yep. Comics would be uh, Something is Killing the Children, which apparently was a nice surprise, so we'll have to check that one out. You know, I'm not very good at going outside of my mainstream publisher bubble. <laughs> and movies would be Endgame and The Rise of Skywalker. It's nice that people were able to get something out of Skywalker. I'm glad it hasn't universally disappointed the audience, because that would be a horrible way for it to end. Next up, we've got the Emerald Archer at Emerald Archer 1, who said, uh, Spending more time interacting with all of you wonderful people has been great. Which is nice. That is also a highlight of the year, actually. Um, meeting so many people that we've come to know over this last year has been really good fun. Next up, we've got our good friend Ben from X-Geeks, uh, who said, The Mandalorian and Watchmen. Mandalorian is one that you've still only seen the first episode of. I've now finished it, and I do think it improves greatly. My opinion has changed a bit quite a lot, but I'm still not convinced on the subject yet. I'm not in a rush to watch it. He said both happening alongside each other made for an amazing small screen experience. Next up, we've got our good friend James Stone, StoneJ666, who said, TV, Walking Dead, great return to form. Streaming shows would be Titans, loved it. Movies, Avengers Endgame, brilliance on such a big scale. I mean, it, it's just done parallels, really. I don't know that anything will ever pull off a film that big ever again. Comics are Space Bandits miniseries by Mark Miller, which was a super fun space set series, apparently. Another one we'll have to put on the list. And surprise hit. He said Harley Quinn, the animated series, can't think of anything that has made him laugh as much. So if you want to read our reviews of Harley Quinn, actually, uh, I'm reviewing it every week, and they're all up on the website, and it has been pretty laugh out loud all the way through. There's been, I'm not so keen on this week's episode, but overall the series has been a huge hit for us. Next up, we've got our gold star, Max Byrne, who said, Watchmen, that is all. Oh, and Burt Ward's smock in Crisis. <laughs> uh, and Brie Larson's multi-layered charismatic performance in Captain Marvel, which is then followed by a crazy eyes emoji. Because <laughs> he is being sarcastic. And uh, it's like he can hear inside my head. 
Earth Nine. Our good friends Jim and Rob said very difficult question. TV wise, Watchmen, You, and Game of Thrones, and the final season of Arrow. Movies would be Endgame and Joker. Good old Gothamite Claire. Claire Payne said, I think I might send you an email as I was pondering over this today and there's been loads of great geeky things in 2019. So she did send me an email and I have to say a huge thank you to her because it was lovely to read. So she uh, she mentioned that it was really great to meet the two of us at MCM, which can you believe it was all the way back in May. Was it? Yes. Oh my God. I know. Uh, so it's nearly a year. It was a pleasure to meet you too, Claire. Uh, and she mentioned sharing the empty Funko box for a photo op. You remember the one that we knocked back off? Oh, the one you broke. Yes, and then had to repair. Um, and uh, she she sent me a really lovely story about how conventions have become a really important part of her kind of geeky lifestyle, which is really nice because it's just something that I've kind of always done. Uh, Gotham Season 5, the final ever season, is still my standout show of the year. Considering they were messed around by the network, the 12 episodes that they produced were up to the standard I've always got to and expected from them. And uh, she says, you know, it's an incredibly unique TV show, which it is. It's I always say that it's almost like 60s Batman, but made now. That kind of absolutely batshit crazy TV show. Um, she says, the casting, cinematography, the costumes, writing, direction, and in particular when Ben McKenzie wrote and directed this season, um, she said, you know, the fact that it's not got an HBO budget, it was just superbly made. Other TV highlights were Swamp Thing, Pennyworth, Watchmen, Carnival Row, Good Omens, Jessica Jones Season 3, Umbrella Academy, and she finally got around to watching Smallville, something that maybe I'll make you do this year. She notes Aquaman, Shazam, Avengers Endgame, all as huge films from this year. She also really enjoyed Green Book, Rocketman, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, Lion King, <laughs> Aladdin as well. Oh, sorry, I'm rereading this as I'm saying it. And she said, I still can't believe that Guy Ritchie directed it. And she, that's true. Say what you will about Aladdin, but my God, you would never have said that it was a, um, it was a Guy Ritchie film. It's also really nice to see that comics have become a big part of her daily life. So she mentions Deceased, Last Night on Earth, Jimmy Olsen, which I have not read actually. It's supposed to be very, very good. Lois Lane, which is a really good series, and Batman Damned have given me a whole new understanding to characters in the DC universe. And then she talks about podcasts. I know she's a huge podcast fan. Um, so she said, you know, she really enjoys listening to us, which is great. And there's plenty of other podcasts, which she mentioned in her um, her review of 2019 that's up on DC World. Uh, and... It's just lovely. Very. Let's give her a little, little round of applause for Claire. She can have her own gold star for that one. Why don't we give her an achievement point last time? Oh, okay. I was going to say maybe she can have a platinum star. I was going to give her another achievement point. Oh, okay. She's already had. She's already got a super friend badge, so I don't know what else we can give her at this point. Well, I think if you get five <laughs> achievement points, we'll send you something. <laughs> okay, throwing <laughs> down the gauntlet. Uh, Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get through these as fast as I can. So, next up we've got Alan at Dark Knight A... Oh, is that a one? Yes, 179. Wasn't sure if it was an A or an L from it there. Movies would be Joker and Rise of Skywalker, with Endgame coming in close. TV is Watchmen and Mandalorian, and comics are Doomsday Clock, Finally Completed, and Batman Last Night on Earth. A lot of similarities in film and TV, really, this year. Next up we've got Nicola and Chris, We Have a Hulk, who said, Ooh, it's been a great year. Probably just because they met us. Oh, God. <laughs> TV uh, would be Watchmen, Chernobyl, Mr. Robot, and, on the whole, The Mandalorian. Film <laughs> has to be Avengers Endgame. Brackets. Sorry, exclamation mark. And Knives Out. No, Nicola, it's fine. You are allowed to like Marvel. We are Marvel fans, too. You know, just... I will cut them down for my DC people. Mm. And then last up, we've got Lillian Sue at LSU23, who said, TV, The Mandalorian... Movies, Knives Out and Spider-Man Far From Home. And surprise, Code 8. 
which we watched over the Christmas break, actually, and we were pleasantly surprised. Yes. It was a lot better than I gave it credit for in my in my head before I'd seen it. Thank you very much for your responses. Those are some really great ones. I would now like to hear yours. What are yours, Martin? TV. TV. So, obviously, Titans. Yes. And Doom Patrol. Yes. Which is my shocker. Yep. Because I wasn't expecting it to be good, but it was. And it's a shocker so much that I've now gone back and pretty much read all of the Grant Morrissey run. I think I've got two volumes to read. Morrison. <laughs> this charming man, Grant Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> Everything Continue. sounds better with a little Y at the end of it. Any other TV? TV, other TV. Um, Dracula. Dracula, Watchmen. Yep. Really love Watchmen. To Game the of Thrones. Moment. Game of Thrones. Let's not talk about that. Um, fingers crossed for the book. What else? Film, film wise. Yep, film. Go. Film wise, I'm going to say Joker. Yep. Because there's been so many films this year. Yes. Cody again, just because that was a shocker. It was okay. a complete utter shocker that I wasn't expecting to like, but I did. Okay. And I can't remember anything else that I've seen more earlier on in the year. Um, I'm not going to say Endgame. It was alright. Yep. No. Not because I don't like Marvel, I'm just a bit like. What about Knives Out? Would that would that make your list? Yeah, as a surprise. That, that, put that on the list as a nice surprise. Shazam. Oh yeah, gosh, Shazam was that this year? Yep. That was longer. I can't say much more because I'll start stealing my own. Yeah. What's next? Comics. 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 I've read a lot of old comics this year. Which is actually, I round of applause for you actually because uh, when I first knew you, any comic prior to about 1996, you'd say, "Oh, it looks old. I'm not reading it." Yeah, so I've read a lot of old comics, which I've really enjoyed. So, Doom Patrol. Yep. Um, Tim Drake, Robin. Yep. I've loved reading all them. Yep. Uh, classic Teen Titans, Jeff Johns Year, Classic Nightwing. Anything not DC? Anything not DC. I read A Rivers of London. Oh, yeah. That was a British comic. Yep. Does Constantine count? That was Vertigo, so that technically <laughs> wasn't <laughs> DC at the time. Okay. Uh, my favourite new comic would be Justice League Dark. Yep. It's probably the one that I've loved the most. And I'm going to say Red Hood and the Outlaws before his redesign. Yep. So I love the stuff with Artemis and Bizarro. Okay. And I'm going to throw in some books just because I've read a lot of books Go for it. this year. Yep. So the Rivers of London series has been a highlight yep. of my year, I think, because I sort of. I think I read them all really quickly, to be honest with you. I really enjoyed them. You did. You blasted through that whole yeah. series. And good old Sam Anselm from Richard Cadry. Okay. Which I'm very sad to hear is about to end on book 12. Well. But they're very good books as well. Yep. What about you? So oh, uh, wait. Oh. 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 Highlight event of the year. Of your conventions, uh, screenings that we've been to. We have been very, very lucky this year at the number of events that we've been invited to oh God, and yeah. uh, every PR company and studio going has had a thank you from me over Christmas highlights highlights there's been a lot Joker was one of them huge being that able to massive. sit in that room with Todd Phillips yeah. and Joaquin Phoenix and hear them talk about it was outstanding yep that was amazing MCM in May getting to meet everybody yeah that was nice because that was the first time I actually met everybody or yeah. started to meet people probably yeah what else was a highlight? Um, X-Men Dark Phoenix was pretty cool. Oh, the event. Yeah, it was. The event, yeah. <laughs> Not so much the film. Not so much the film, but I liked the event. Yep. Seeing um, you, no, see you McGregor. It's not you McGregor. It's the other Scottish guy. 
James McAvoy. Yes. Yeah, they're all the same. I think you're allowed to say that because you're Scottish. Because we're Scottish, it's fine. Um, what else? What was my other event? I can't remember. There's been so many. Oh, Frozen Two with Nicola. That was fun. <laughs> just because. I'm just going to say it though. Panic at the Disco sings it better. Uh, well, we'll we'll park that discussion for off camera. Okay. Off mic. Anything else that's a highlight this year? <laughs> or are you quite done? No, I think that's probably quite a lot of highlights. Okay. It's been a busy year. It's been a very, very busy year. Yeah. What about you? So what you, we'll do it quick because you'd like to ramble. <laughs> TV, go. TV? You oh can have God. three. Titans, uh, Watchmen, um, Swamp Thing, Good. Doom Th- Patrol. Oh, yeah, like three. Young Justice, oh, um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, God, Young Justice. I'll have Young Justice. Oh, and Swamp Thing. Yep. Crisis on Infinite Earths is definitely a highlight. Um, Star Trek Discovery is a highlight. Oh yeah, Star Trek as well. Oh, New York Comic Con, that's a highlight as well for me. Absolutely. I keep forgetting about these things. Right, so um film. Uh oh my god. Okay. You Joker can... is Joker is right at the top. I'm gonna cut um, you off at three. <laughs> Joker, knives out, and um <sighs> Oh oh stressed. Uh oh my god. Um Wonder Woman Bloodlines was a huge surprise. So okay. that was really good. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I honorable mentions to uh, Batman oh, Hush, oh. Brightburn, oh. also another one. Avengers Endgame, Shazam. There's just been so a Doctor Sleep, uh, Jumanji, many many good films this year. Grand comics. Uh, Last night on Earth, definitely. Last night on Earth has been amazing. Anything under the Power Rangers banner from Boom Studios has been outstanding. Um, uh, Justice League Scott Snyder's Justice League has been really really good I need to read that it is amazing the stuff that he's done I never thought I would see him do he's been so I mean you, his Batman stuff is amazing and I always thought that he was great at focusing on a character but that ensemble is massive and he's done such great things with it and favourite event or events like you probably Joker Joker was amazing. Um, Shazam was also really good fun with the fairground. Doctor Sleep with my Ewan McGregor cushions. Yeah, uh, that's weird. When people come to stay over, they've got to sleep on Ewan McGregor. Yeah, that's it's a, definitely a talking point. Um, Comic-Cons, New York was outstanding. MCM was also very, very cool. Both of them, both May and October. Uh and then for me, it's just yeah, it's just been getting to meet everyone this year. So spending time with Nicola and Chris, uh, Jim and Rob, um, Paul from DC World, who I just see everywhere I go. Uh, everyone basically, I, I could list, but I will forget someone, and I don't want to forget anyone. Everybody. Um, I did a New Year's thing where I said thank you to so many different people for all of their help and support this year, and for getting involved and just saying hello and being part of this whole thing. And that's just been so cool. I mean, we haven't even been doing this for a year yet. No. Writing, yes, six years, but the talky thing, not been a year. And the the support from you lovely super friends and super fans has been amazing. Oh, he's getting all gushy. Looking forward to in 2020. Quick, go. Uh, Wonder Woman. Yep. More Titans. Yep. More Doom Patrol. Yep. More stuff. Okay. More events. More events. Well, I'm not... Yeah, more... Whatever. I'm happy. Oh, you've missed something crucial. Oh, bop. That wasn't what I was going to say, but fair enough. No. Um, my things. Birds of Prey. Wonder Woman 1984. 
like you just said, more Titans, more Doom Patrol. Um, going to be interesting to see Black Widow this year as well. I think that's going to be it's going to be nice to see Marvel give her something to do. But Star Trek Picard. Oh, I keep forgetting about that. In two weeks' time, we are going to a premiere for Star Trek Picard, and I thank all the gods, old and new. Oh God, I hope he's not there because you're either going to scream or you're just going to start shouting. There are four lights, Adam. There are four lights. Oh, I can't wait. And with that, we will leave you with this particular episode of the Geico podcast. Thank you to everyone who sent through their thoughts. We will have a new discussion topic coming up soon uh, for our next episode. We will next, I think, actually be part of Crisis on Infinite Podcasts again for the final two parts of the crossover. And then when we come back with our next one, it's going to be a Picard special. So I'm going to want to hear your thoughts on Star Trek between now and then. So if you want to let me know, there will be a specific question probably at the time, but if you want to let us know in between what you're excited for about Picard, then get in touch. Oh, why don't you tell us your favourite Picard moments from the past? That's probably going to be my question. Thank you for jumping ahead two weeks. Well, I had an idea. I've got quite a... I'm going to get very quotable that episode. (laughs) Yes. There are four lights! You change a four. (laughs) Okay, between now and then, uh, the the, the, well, yes, I'm signing off. So uh, from me, Neil, Happy New Year again, and bye! Oh, uh, Happy New Year from me, and see you in the 2020s. In the Roaring Twenties. Yes, the Roaring Twenties. Bye! Bye!